We're going to kick things off with a little bit of football talk. Who should Michigan State's protected rivals be when the schedule changes in 2024? And also, just how hard is the schedule going to be next year? And then we head to the gymnastics arena. That's right, Mike Rowe, the head coach of your Big Ten title-winning Spartans, joins the show. Great conversation with him. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white, five days a week. Now, we're going to table basketball talk for today because, well, understandably so, we've been talking up and down a lot about them in the last few weeks, and you're going to get a lot more hoops action for weeks to come. But we're going to check in on football. That's right. We're going to check in on an old friend here in the first segment. Uh, And then also, segments two and three, Mike Rowe, the head coach of MSU Gymnastics, hops on for a nice long conversation, talks about building a championship culture because, hey, they won the Big Ten regular season title on Monday. And this comes four years after. Michigan State was like dead last in the Big Ten. How did he get this program up to where it is that quickly. We'll stay tuned for that conversation. And also, if you're not a big gymnastics person, I'm a bit of a rookie at that myself. We have a segment called Stupid Questions with a dumb podcaster later on. He brings us up to speed on some pretty dumb and basic gymnastics questions, but in a fun way. So stay tuned for that as well. Before any of that, hey, smash that subscribe button if you're listening on the podcast or this YouTube channel. And hey, thanks a lot for joining us. All right, let's talk some pigskin that's right that old game played with 11 players on each side of the ball with the oval shaped brown ball we haven't talked about that sport in a while but there is plenty to talk about because the big 10 meetings just wrapped up and of course as usc and ucla are on the doorstep of joining the conference in 2024 that means some scheduling changes will be made and divisions are probably most likely kaput They are done. No more East and West divisions. We could be seeing a 3-6-6 schedule. Now what that means is that each year, a team will have three protected rivalries. They will play those three teams at home one year and then away the next. Home, away, home, away. They will see those three teams every single year. The other six teams, okay, they'll face at home and then away more years to come. They'll split up the other six teams. So that's how you do it in a 16-team division. 366 is the name of that uh, schedule layout. ACC just adopted that not too long ago. And while it's not completely official that that's where the Big Ten is going to be going, it's where they're trending. Um, nothing was finalized at the Big Ten meetings, but Iowa athletic director and then uh, college football playoff chairman Greg Barta, he said, quote, I don't know where we'll end up, but it'll follow those principles of what's most fair and what's going to give the or sorry, what's going to get the most teams into the new playoff. And I don't think the Big Ten has interest in going seven years until you play somebody. So getting into a better rotation. And what he means by that is that, yeah, like, I think it was Illinois and Indiana took a nine-year break from visit. I think Illinois took a nine-year break from visiting Bloomington or something like that. But with this three-six-six layout, I think the most you can go is what would that be? Four years from visiting another place. The goal is to have each four-year player 
play at each campus in the Big Ten by the time they graduate. So, CBS Sports came up with their proposals. There's a few um, good websites out there that came up with their proposals for protected rivalries of who you will see every single week. CBS Sports is one of them. Uh, they wrote that Michigan State's protected rivals would be Michigan, Rutgers, and USC. Now, this isn't a report. This is just Tom Fornelli, great college football writer over there, just opining on who he thinks should be protected rivals for everyone in the conference. But for Michigan State, he says Michigan, Rutgers, and USC. And why I like that? Yeah, you get the marquee names. You keep that Michigan rivalry in the fold. Um, the USC edition. That's going to get a lot of eyeballs on your program when you do face them. It's a cool road trip to take every other year, but that that's it for why I like it because I don't I don't like it at all actually. And here's the reasons why I don't like having USC in there. Like Michigan, fine. Rutgers, great, awesome, but oh boy, um, oh boy, how how the how how the road trip to the West Coast go last time? You did that. Oh, and the time before that to Arizona State as well. Uh, I don't like the idea of Michigan State flying to the West Coast every other year to face USC. And let's say, hey, it's also one of the years where you have to go out and face UCLA as well. That's two time zone hopping road trips that you have to do. I, I'm not in great favor of that. I promise I'm not saying this just for running away from the grind of having to face a good USC team. Because, yeah, it just seems like every time you fly out there, you, you're scheduling a loss. So, no. Selfishly, as a state fan, I don't like that one bit. But, hey, if you're one of those people that love the toughest possible games, okay, you're, you're built better than I am because that is not what I'm about. Now, if it was up to me, Michigan State's protected rivals would be Rutgers, Indiana, and Northwestern. All right? Just three of the easiest matchups that you could possibly find. But... That's not going to happen, so for sake of conversation, here's realistically what I would like to see uh, from Michigan State's protected rivalries should they go the scheduling route. It, of course, be Michigan. Okay, you got to keep that rivalry on the books, no matter how toxic it, it gets. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the rivalry, you know, so that goes without saying. And then Northwestern and Wisconsin. So I think we strike a good balance there of, hey, Wisconsin is a pretty solid team. Uh, you already get a good brand name up there with Michigan, a pretty solid team. Uh, you could change out Wisconsin for Penn State if you want. Uh, if you're a sick person, you could throw Ohio State into the mix. But I think that Wisconsin and Michigan State both mirror each other pretty well. And um, they're almost like separated cousins, if you will. Um, so that's why I just like that rivalry right there. I think both teams and programs are matched up very evenly. And then Northwestern as well. Um, yeah, more times than not, that's a very winnable game, but I got to give a shout out to the Chicago alumni at Michigan State. Um, I think that there's a lot more connection there than people realize. And look, it's not a total, hey, schedule the worst team every single year kind of thing because, you know, you do get the random flare ups of good Northwestern seasons. So that's where I would go Northwestern, Wisconsin, Michigan for the three protected rivalries. If you have three, that are in your mind that you want to get out. Hey, comment below if you're watching on YouTube or hit us up on email, lockedonspartans at gmail.com. Now, speaking of running away from the grind, that's what Michigan State is not going to be doing next year on the football field. Uh, FBschedules.com. Okay, they compiled the list of the hardest strength of schedule for next year based on the win-loss percentage of their opponents the year prior. Now, Michigan State, okay, their opponents coming up next year, 
last year had a combined 96 and 57 record. That is a 62.7% win percentage. Would you like to fetch a guess where that ranks nationally as far as toughest schedules go? Drum roll. Second hardest. <laughs> Second hardest in the nation. Only South Carolina is going to have a harder schedule based on last year's results going into next year. Now, throughout the season next year, things will change. But as it stands right now, the beginning of March, Michigan State has the second toughest schedule in the nation. And there's not a lot of other Big Ten compatriots that are meeting them as far as toughness goes. Ohio State is actually the only other Big Ten East team that has a top 25 toughest schedule. Now, it goes without saying that, yeah, having Washington as one of your non-conference games isn't going to help things. And also the crossover games of at Minnesota, okay, they were decent last year, just like every Big Ten West team was. you got to go to Iowa as well. But then a team that is actually bringing down that win-loss percentage is Nebraska. And even that's going to be a hard game with Matt Rule now in charge. There's a lot of energy around that program, so we know how tough of an out Nebraska was two years ago when they visited East Lansing. So, yeah, you probably knew this already. It's going to be a tough year coming up. Not an impossible year. I mean, I'm not saying Michigan State's going to go 2-10 and 10 or anything like that. But just to give you an idea of, yeah, everything going on within the program, of maybe a quarterback battle going on, you got to replace some key positions. Even the stuff you can't control, like how good other teams are. Oh boy, strap in for a good football season. Luckily, we have a lot of months to prepare for that one. All right, head to the gymnastics floor with me here in a hot second. After we talk your ear off about Fan Duel Sportsbook, gang, we're talking about the best sportsbook in America. That is right. And what better time to download FanDuel Sports than right now, ahead of March Madness, ahead of the Big Ten tournament season, or hey, ahead of Senior Day. If you're feeling really good about your Spartans after Tuesday's comeback win, well, go wager a few shekels on those Spartans. And if you're a new customer, well, I got good news for you. You can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right. You get $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win at FanDuel. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you get paid instantly with Mr. FanDuel. You are not waiting for days at a time, waiting for him to pay you. Mm -mm. When you withdraw your winnings, they get to your account super speedy. So, what are you waiting for? Don't miss the chance to get in on your no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this show, we are blessed to have a lot of great guests, but very rarely do we get a guest on the show within the week they've won a Big Ten title, but not just any Big Ten title, the program's first regular season Big Ten title. We're talking with MSU Gymnastics coach Mike Rowe. Coach, how on earth are you doing over there? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, kind of getting settled in and, and believing it and buying it, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty surreal and not, you know, I not discrediting my team or anything like that. My staff, uh, they work really hard and they've done a great job. And this is, this has been a goal for a while. Um, in the past couple of years, things have just been coming together really well for us and just excited how it's all been playing out. And you went eight and one in the big 10 regular season. So you split the title with Michigan and you guys didn't happen to have like a heads up meet that happened to maybe unofficially decide this tiebreaker that that didn't happen by any chance. Right. Well, we, 
<laughs> we got him a little early in the season. We caught him off guard, I, I believe. But no, um, gotcha. Yeah, you know, things just happen in this sport. That's what's so. Uh, uh, sometimes you're really happy about it. Sometimes you're not. Sure. You know, uh, I'd say you know, in the Big Five, B when we're reading, you know, meeting the other four opponents that we haven't met during the season, anything can happen. Where if you would have met them individually, you would have thought, oh, we would have had this in the bag, and gotcha. And it doesn't happen like that. And you're like, okay, well, so. And this sport in general, I mean, you've seen with even Olympians, uh, the predictions are all, they're going to take this, they're going to take that, all this is going to happen. You know, there's, you know, everybody has polls, everybody, you know, preseason, yeah. postseason, all this kind of stuff. And you go, you just got to not pay any attention to that stuff and put your head to the ground and, and work hard. And we're fortunate that, you know, we've got some great kids, some amazing kids, Um and knock on wood, they're healthy right now. Um, we've been doing a good job with managing that. And I think, you know, most of all, they all have their heart heart and soul in it. They want to be better. They don't want to be, you know, mid, middle of the road. They want to be on the national stage and higher in the Big Ten. And they really worked hard going, you know, trying to achieve that this year. Um, well, and last year as well, you know, it surprised us, you know, more than anything. But yeah. um, I think they really like that challenge of, you know, one of the uh, don't tell me I can't kind of thing. And sure. we're like, yeah. And they have a great sense of humor. They, they, they know when to play, they know when to work hard um, and they can actually play and work hard. <laughs> they can play and compete. They're kind of crazy and we love them for that. We know that they're, here we go. You know, this is going to be a show. So have, we're going to have fun with it. And I think that approach has taken a lot of the stress. It's built their confidence. It's uh it's just kind of all encompassing, really done some great things for us. And like, was this year a surprise to you at all? I mean, going eight and one, winning the Big Ten regular season title, or was this kind of a season where once it started, you got like two or three meets under your belt, you're like, Oh yeah, we are a player in this Big Ten conference. What was that like from your point of view? We we felt like we're going to be a play. You know, it was coming that that it was okay. building. You know, our recruiting has picked up and gotten more consistent and more. Uh, I, I want to say relevant. That's not exactly what by we mean, but in a sense, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, we're we're getting some key players, some five star recruits. Um, you know, hopefully that continues. Who's to say? But um, it I. I've been saying from the beginning of the season that, you know, we're more talented without, with no, you know, no disrespect to team 48. Cause they did, they took us, they got us there. You know, I gotcha. still feel like team 48 is part of team 49. Um, and that enthusiasm, that leadership more than anything got us, got us going. And I was like, if we, with the talent we have, if we can get the freshmen, uh, they're pretty hungry seeing them and they're, you know, their DP, their uh, high school competitive seasons or whatever, they're, they're gamers. Um, and if they can get onto our, our kind of a culture ride, um, we're going to be okay. And so our plans were just to come out of the gates, you know, better than we did last year. And we blew it off by like a point. So I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be good. And <laughs> we just got to, you know, teach them how important the consistency is how important the uh, communication with aches and pains and all this, because if you think you're going to get pulled out because you complain about a, a boo-boo or whatever, um, you know, we're just looking out for the longevity of your training and your competitive season this year. So, you know, Destiny Teachner, our uh, athletic trainer is just amazing with uh, 
you know, she's got like, uh, I don't know, some kind of ma magical powers <laughs> to just predict, you know, we, we're very good at, um, instead of team workouts on each event, you know, we're basically writing individual workouts on each event for every kid. They come from all walks of life, different training. Some have been overtrained since they were three, you know, so we've got a, now we're working with the bodies that we have left to get something out for four more years and, you know, take us to the top. So, um, you know, it's a lot of strategy and just being smart and they've got to have a voice in their training. And, uh, you know, Destiny says in order to be successful, you have to be a part of your own health care. When typically back when they were in, you know, jail or whatever, their coaches don't want to hear about, you know, you're competing this weekend. I don't care about your boo-boo. I don't care if it's a stress reaction, stress fracture, whatever. You know, we're going to take, I don't want to say they're all like that. I don't want sure. to run depression, but the... The schooling and the training has definitely made a turn for the better for the student athletes, their longevity as, you know, how long they can compete. Some of them are going on taking a fifth year with other schools because their bodies are still intact. Imagine that. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that whole, you know, addressing that whole aspect of it is you're not going to be in a lineup if you're not healthy enough to compete and be consistent. And the only way you can do that is you let us know about it and you get it taken care of and you take your rehab and treatment just as seriously as you take your training. And that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> no pun intended. But um, <laughs> they they don't really like rehab. You know, it's not like conditioning, which they seem to like. But okay. rehab is just more time that they're doing what they think is just, OK, I'm doing whatever it is for how many reps and mark charting and da, 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 da. It's another hour out of the day, which they already have yeah. enough hours out of the day anyway. So, um, you know, getting them to buy into that and then actually experience the results that, hey, I've never been healthy this long in the season. You know, I've had to take a month off or I've had to take a couple meets off. So, um I, the communication is the biggest factor, I think. And that's a really hard thing to do because coming from where they came from and usually most gyms are always being told what to do. Don't ask questions. You'll do this one and this one and this one and this one. And I want it done this way. They don't have a voice. Yeah. So now that we're giving them a voice, it's like you're pulling it out of them. No, we really want to know. So we know how to train you the right way. That's fascinating like because, you know, you hear all sports, you know, not, not mm -hmm. just gymnastics, but play through it. But obviously yeah. paying off in spades for you guys. You won the Big Ten title. Recruiting is also on the rise. But I don't even have a creative way to ask this next question, but just how? Because you took over in 2018. You've been around the program for a while, but took over as head coach in 2018, where Miss Michigan State was either like last or second to last when the Big Ten meet would happen. How on earth have you built this championship caliber program and culture in just four short years. I mean, th that's the, the most fascinating part for me. It's like, how is that possible? Well, that's this way it was, I've always wanted my own program. It is my alma mater. Um, but there was a turning point, obviously, where there's some, a lot of ugliness and we call mm -hmm. it the dark cloud was here. Um, we kind of got that, uh, Nicole, my associate head coach and myself, we were like a team. We came mm -hmm. into this, like, this is ours. We're going to do this. Um, how to get through all of that. No one knew how to get through all that at the time. It was a, it was a real, a bad bad b movie um yeah. so at that point it was just like you know we've got to get these kids having fun and being passionate about the sport they came into and somehow try to shed this layer of thick layer of skin that that we've become associated with and 
So it was basically a bottom. I, I say, and I don't mean to be, once again, disrespectful to anybody or whatever, but for me and my intentions for our team at that time were, you know, our gym was our sanctuary. It was our solitude. Okay. It was, you know, that's where the kids, the kids have fun. So those three hours of the day, we'd be up there, we'd be doing good gymnastics and good gymnastics and having a great time. And, um, you know, would get them through at least psychologically, which led to, you know, staying healthy physically. Um, and just as, as, as it was just, you know, over a long length of time was starting to fall away and there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, they still had that passion and that, and the fun aspect of the gymnastics going forward. And then it was like, we weren't even addressing the competitive nature of it. It was just like, let's get good enough so we can compete. And we were doing that and things were happening. We're changing. We got some very talented kids in, into the program. Um, you know, we were nursing a lot of injuries and stuff, but it was, then it was finding that, okay, we've got, we've got the skills, we're in shape and, and, you know, things are going in the right direction. We had, we had difficulty, I wouldn't say consistently, but getting them out there and being confident and competitive because it was like we were in a cave for a while. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, then we started addressing like the intangible aspects of each of the kids and what they bring to the table. They come, like I said, they come from all different walks of life and, um, you know, getting them to, to know each other and at some point, you know, trust each other, you know, understand and what integrity is and it was more about those kind of things you know if they have a dry sense of humor you know if they're just crazy if they're you know all of us in this sport are crazy to some extent you just got to accept that i believe that and i yeah, do I believe that. for everybody okay um <laughs> it's just it, it just is but that's why we love it and yeah <laughs> um but yeah, like I said, getting getting to know them more than anything and open up and trust that now you're in a, a lot of people talk about their their family environment of their team. And I think Michigan State, where we are, um, you know, we do pride ourselves in our Spartan family, not only in our team, but in the athletic department within the university. It's a giant school. Um, you know, we are there for us. We've been through some very trying times and hope that's it for now. Um um, so I think we worked very hard in getting this in. I mean, and this may sound a little harsh, or a little abrupt, but one of our meetings coming back from COVID, you know, we were here, we were trying to train, we were training separately, six feet apart, doesn't sing masks, gloves, mm -hmm. you know, shields, the whole nine yards. And, you know, that's, they were saying, well, these kids need to be doing their sport in order to help their mental health. In my opinion, it wasn't doing anything to their mental health because they were trying to do it while being segregated or separated yeah. all over the place. They were they were miserable. Yeah. So we spent a lot of that time once again just getting to know each other and getting to care about each other. I mean, it was it was um, easily said as easily said as okay, you're gonna like each other. You might not huh. love each other. <laughs> There'll be times you probably hate each other, but you're gonna come right back around to liking each other and caring each other, or you won't be on this team. We have to be able to be a team that functions together, you know, internally, externally. You got to be there for each other. You got to help each other out of problems. If you think you're not going to be a leader, you're going to be a leader. Okay. I don't mean you're going to be a team captain, but you're going to be a leader. You know, I remember one day saying, you know, we'd have three quarters of the team that wasn't want to have anything to do with being a team captain. And we put them through leadership training and, you know, asking a lot of questions about these other, each other and evaluating each other 
you know, personally, individually, so they're not sharing ideas or thoughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them didn't understand the even, you know, they got what a leader was, but they thought it was basically just breaking up fights or arguments or whatever things. That's what you need a leader for. And it was like, you know, that's not it at all. I'm like, um, you know, randomly, how many of you guys want to be a mom someday? Everybody's hand flew up and they're like that. I'm like, trust me, you're going to be a leader. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. without, without a doubt, you're going to be a leader, and there's going to be lots of times where you hate it and lots of times where you love it. It's rewarding, and it's going to help you, you know, in your future career, whatever. Um, once you learn what you specifically need or what your, um, I'd say, positive attributes are, I go back to intangibles, you're going to find how you're going to learn to be better at being a leader. You know, you're going to find those qualities that you have that can really help people. And so, you know, we ended up, you know, team actually ended up choosing three tri-captains, which okay. they hit it right on the nose, which in the beginning of the season, they couldn't, they couldn't have even guessed who it was. Gotcha. We're fortunate in that respect, but they're very good. Also, I have 19 on my roster of helping each other without having that title. So they truly care about each other. And I think you watch any of our meets televised or streamed or whatever like that. You can tell we're having a great time and they care about each other. They love each other. They're there for each other no matter what. Um, and that may sound a little simple, but in a team sport that you're really out there, it's on you in that mm-hmm. moment, you know, on, you know, on the vault, on the bars, on whatever it is, it's you out there alone under the spotlight. And, you know, we, it all comes together for that team score. Um, you have to feel that backup. You have to feel that support. You have to know that, you know, I don't have to worry. I got this. My team has my back. They're all there for me. They care about me. They know I'm going to do well. It's a confidence builder. And then as they start getting more consistent with scoring well or, you know, at weekly accolades that the conference offers or whatever, their confidence just starts coming. It's just, and then they're infallible. Yeah, <laughs> you right. They can go to a certain level like, okay, reel it back in. <laughs> You're there. You're there. We love it. Got to strike that balance. Right. <laughs> Love it. Um, I I know we're going a, a tad long on time, but I would like to introduce a new segment if you have time. It's it's a quick. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. So this is a new segment. It's called. Uh, let's see. What did I name this thing? Stupid questions from a dumb podcast host. So these are going to be <laughs> three incredibly dumb questions. Uh, if anyone knows anything about gymnastics, you are going to roll your eyes a full 360 in your head. But I I just got some Even questions better. that I'm generally interested <laughs> in knowing about. Uh, first one is like on a day to day basis in practice. How do you coach? Like, are, are you on the beams yourself? Are, are you banging out some reps on the vault? Or like, how, how as a head coach do you handle day-to-day practice? Well, you know, these girls are jumping 40 feet well, in the air and doing 28 flips and everything like that. I have, I have an associate head coach who is okay. responsible for balance beams specifically. And also, we all co-coach kind of everything if needed. I'm on the other side of the gym behind a big, uh, we call it the castle. We had a big uh, okay. addition renovation added to our gym with loose foam pits. So you could tumble, you could vault and dismount bars into a loose foam pit. So I'm on the back side of that and I have a quad screen in the back so I can turn around and watch the rest wow. of the training going on. I have to look and see if I hear a scream or whatever or applause. Um, and then I can just rewind it and look back, see what I missed. But um, so, and then Devin, my, our assistant coach, it, we alternate the leg days. So we don't do vault and floor in the same day. Um, Specifically, I mean, if you train, if you're training and eligible for the lineup on those two events, you definitely won't train them. You might do uh, 
conditioning or you know endurance floor routines or something on a vault day after you get your vaults in we try to keep the numbers soft the landing soft for a majority of the preseason not bringing them down on the competitive floor because we're thinking about their you know trying to keep them safe and healthy longer they, they like i said they've been pounded way too long as it is so we try mm -hmm. to keep that to a minimum um uh you know we're not i think the tide is turned a lot for the way people coach it's more interactive you know if if, a, if a, one of the athletes is stuck on a skill that they used to have no problem with we take like regressions and then okay. back to get them there it's part of the like the um, mental endurance mental toughness uh memory recall that kind of stuff you know oh that's yeah now i remember now it's coming and it just starts coming naturally kind of thing like riding a bike um but you'd be surprised at how many times that happens you know you're doing it over and over looking for that perfect score or whatever and things start getting in there that you know you start thinking too much and that actually makes the situation worse so there'll be times with some of my kids where i can say like on bars i'll be like just swing you know you have rely on your training rely on your experience this is not a you're thinking of five different things on one skill that happens in a tenth of a yeah. second it's not going to gotcha. happen that way. So, you know, when you swing, you're in control and the next turn up, you're just like, Bam -ba -dam -ba -dam, like it was no, you know, big deal. So, you know, I guess making what seems to be the dire problems or issues or, you know, that get at these kids sometimes, because we only have them three hours a day, um, mm -hmm. is basically stepping back and making it easier. And then it just kind of clicks how it went again. Um, other than that, we're just dealing with, you know, trying to find that perfect score and it's tightening your legs, keeping tension in certain muscles, squeezing, you know, performance on floor. You know, it is a show. It's not just tumbling sure. down and I'm done. It's become more of a big entertainment thing. And I think the whole sport is gone that way now and more and more teams are picking up the, the production aspect of a gymnastics meet where there's pyrotechnics and ribbons and flying light okay. and smoke and blah, 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 the whole, you know, bands and cheerleaders. And it's a whole thing now. And that's getting more butts in the stands, which we love. Um, the sport is doing amazing, you know, and television now we're bypassing a lot of sports that who'd have thought, I think at some point we'll actually be bringing in revenue, which would be, which would be nice. Gotcha. But, you know, thanks to some of the bigger schools that have always had this you know, eight to 10 to 12,000 fans generated or whatever, people are also starting to pick up. We've had more fans this year than we've ever had. And, you know, at the Michigan, the Michigan meet or whatever, we broke attendance record at the yeah. Penn State meet right after, broke, you know, another attendance record. So this year has been huge, but, you know, we've worked hard to get there. So it's not just about the production. It's not just about the gymnastics or the rank. It's about everything going into making this one big, package and getting all of your departments on one page and you know presenting this new production and um it's a lot of fun it makes it that you know i have the theatrical experience from long ago and it, it makes it even more i get to pick and choose from little things of you know what might enhance the production even more gotcha know? so it's it's that's how we coach <laughs> you know? yeah most that's... of the fun is in the gym it's a, but it's more than just coaching it's a and there's a lot of paperwork too, but um sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that funnels right in my next question though, because like the whole production and obviously like the team is getting very hyped for each other. You guys set attendance records. 
So potentially dumb question number two, like is there such thing as home court or home field or home mat or home beam advantage? Like when it comes to judging, like can a judge be swayed by the atmosphere going on at home or is it just so technical that there's no way for a judge to even be swayed by how hype a crowd or a team is getting during the meet? I would never put that out, first of all, because, you know, our That'd be dangerous, are, yeah. I, I set uh, you off, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and no, not, not, not for that reason, but specifically for they come they come from all walks of life as well. I mean, there's come, okay. there's some judges that are just emerging out of collegiate gymnastics the year before, and now they're judging you two years later. You know, there sure. are rules, rules set in place that, you know, if you're associated with a certain college or university, you can't judge there for so many years, that affiliated. Um, you know, we have a judge's assigning system that judges, you have to bring in 50% of your judges from out of region, and then you can bring in two local. You, they can't okay. see you more than twice at home um, unless gotcha. they're a meet referee. There are all these things put in place that are, um, you know, that are put in place just so there's no, that it is an equal playing field and that, you know, coaches do get wrapped up in, in, in the home field advantage. Like any other sport, I would think there's an assumption there that if you're at home, not necessarily that you're going to get scored better, but you feel mm -hmm. more comfortable. You're in front of your fans, you're, yeah. you know, everything it's your, your parents are there that, you know, all your friends and all that kind of stuff, you're going to perform better. You know, so scores have a tendency to go up home. And that's why our NQS system to qualify for postseason is set up that you have to count your three, you know, three of the highest scores have to be away scores. And if one of them okay. is too low, you got to count it. You know, you have to drop the highest score. There's things, little safeguards in there that are working that you really can't do anything about. And it, it may be difficult for fans. I think most of them have it in, you know, an awareness of how it works so it seems to pan out but there's still a lot you know it comes up and you see it on social media about you know home court advantage or home mm -hmm. cooking that kind of stuff and you know i think everybody gets better scores at home i mean okay. unless they're just you know terrible competitors on the road which Strongly, i'm sure there's yeah. some of that too you know we i actually schedule more road trips than i do home meets and not that my administration or fans like that because mm -hmm. they want the fans want to see it more, but, um, you know, we're thinking about the postseason from the first week of the season and then trying to establish a consistency when, when uh, teams do start either getting better. A lot of coaches have the philosophy that you shouldn't peak too soon and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to go for a consistency, consistency, consistency. And consistency at a good level is going to keep you where you are so at the, at the end of the season, towards the end of the season, you don't have so much worries. Oh, we have two more meets to only get this, or we're not going to make it kind of thing. You should know all along that we're going to make it. We just don't know where this year. Yeah, you know? gotcha. So I'm not saying that's the correct way, or I'm not saying that's always the right way. But um, in the past couple of years, it seems to be working. And the kids have drank the Kool-Aid and jumped on mm -hmm. board. And they're just, you know, they come out of the gangs booming. So out of the gates. So um We'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> there we go. And and last stupid question that I have here. I'm going through all your, your meet results. Every meet seems like it's like one or two points away. Like, for example, against Ohio State, you won 197.675 to 196.750. That's less than one point. What what is a point? Is that like someone had a wobbly dismount at the vault? Is that someone just completely fell off the beam three separate times? Or like how 
how big is a point in the grand scheme it's huge of gymnastics okay it's okay huge. yeah um and a lot I, I would say i mean michigan only lost to us by three or four tenths i think ten, okay tenths of a point um it's a it's a toe point it's a step on a landing it's a you gotcha. know when you tar- start from a 10 start value all 10 aren't created equal there's a lot of ways you can get there but then it's how you execute them and there's a there's a lot of coaches that that really rely heavily on working the code of points and doing at least the bare minimum of what they need to do to achieve a 10. And then what they're doing mm-hmm. is going to be spotless. So they could still score well and score 10. And it's a lot of reasons why there were a lot of 10s this year, maybe too many. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, that Tourette, sorry. Um, yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, so... You know, it's it depends on what I think. I think our our philosophy is. You know, we're we're recruiting kids that have e tumbling passes, e dismounts on bars. You know, hopefully e skills on beam and ten o star values on vault. We're getting to a point where next year we'll have them. You know, mm-hmm. that's if then now you're up with the big dogs. Okay, that's that's where you want to be. So then it's going to be how well they execute them. If I have six ten o star values, that doesn't mean you're automatically in the lineup. If I have a Yurchenko full that can go 995, which is perfect for a Yurchenko full, that'll beat a full and a half any day that's lunging out of it or stepping back or, you know, sitting down. Um, it's how you work those, what you get. Um, but we're not the only ones doing that. Everybody's sure. doing that. You know, everybody's gotcha. trying to achieve that. So um, I think what I found recently and I'm very excited about is our recruiting hit, uh, future is even more exciting now with the success that we've had in last year and this year and just recruit just more excited with you know the people that are going to be visiting us and uh you know the people that we will have a chance at you know possibly snagging if we get you know um because that's a it's a lot of fun but it's it's a little you know hairy they can have five visits and you know, yeah. they do unofficial visits to other schools and stuff like that and they see and compare different things. You know, we've had kids on their unofficial visits or official or unofficial visits ask, you know, well, how many different Leos do you normally wear? I'm like, gotcha. Okay. That, that's how this kid's going to choose her. Fascinating. Okay, well, yeah. How many do you want? Right. <laughs> you know, should we buy a couple more? <laughs> you know, I can't ask you to design it, but, um, <laughs> so it's it's you know it's it's a lot it's a lot of fun but um it is hairy because you know typically any year given year you probably only have around three full scholarships because we're a headcount sport so oh really okay 12, yeah you create 12 full scholarships and you're going to only divide them as you know as, as you see fit okay Until this last past couple of years kids that were here and their season was lost because of COVID or whatever could get an extra year COVID, but it's only up to the university whether or not they will pay to have that additional money out there oh. for a scholarship. Interesting. Um, so yeah, you get the full thing and it's, yeah, it's it's just interesting how that works out. I think we're, we're, we're getting about weaned off of any COVID years left, maybe one year left because um, my freshman class that came in that year is still eligible, I believe. Okay. Um, but then, you know what? Did they make it through four years? Are they physically capable? Are they medical, medical redshirting, whatever? Because they, I always say, you know, if, you know, you know, when you're putting enough medical interest or focus into a student athlete to just keep them up week by week by week, they've never competed 12 to 13 times in a row, you know, every week. We may not be as fortunate to rest them on a certain weekend where they would like to rest. 
obviously our medical department is, we don't have that choice. Our mm -hmm. medical department decides when these kids compete. So our sports medicine group and our trainers. So that uh, dialogue is always pretty intense, but it's it's meaningful. We're looking out for their health and well-being in, in all respects. And, um, you know, that we could just hope that we can keep them get them through a four year four years of a collegiate gymnastics because they ultimately do their best gymnastics at the collegiate level it's okay. more exciting for them so if they're hurting that bad where they're even considering being done for whatever reason or whatever it's a hard transition for them they don't like to do it but that would that scholarship basically comes for transitions from another department and we get that scholarship back to go out and use for say a walk-on or recruit with or whatever sure so that can switch around depending on different circumstances and um, we'll occasionally have one there. And it is kind of nice if you have one year that you can reward a walk-on who hasn't had money for three years and she's competing three events, you know, yeah, we right. have scholarship kids that are all beat up or whatever that came in here and is all around her that may be competing only one or two. And you sit there going, how is that right? You know? Mm -hmm. So we really love to reward our walk-ons that have really been busting butt and working just as hard, if not harder than others to, you know, get that, get that money and help them out. Recruiting's booming. The program's booming. I mean, this is this is a great chat. I can totally see why Michigan State Gymnastics is, is in the place it is right now with you as a head coach. So really cannot appreciate your time enough, what you've done for the university so far. And, you know, what you guys are going to do in the future because, like you said, I, this this thing's on the rise. So thanks a lot for your time, Coach. Oh, I appreciate um, it. No, appreciate thank you. you. And best of luck the rest of the season, too. I know there's a lot of season left. So uh, there yeah, is. keep your eye on you guys. I appreciate no it. No, thank you. Really appreciate it. Gang, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about Senior Day, Ohio State on Saturday. All sorts of other things, too. Come on, there's never a, a slow day in East Lansing. So until then, love you all. Go Green.